You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Emerald Gaming Week Interview Podcast. My name's Christopher Berg. And I'm Matt Brock. And we're here to talk to you today about uh, some of the big stories that have been breaking in the world of video games this past week. And this is actually kind of, you know, it's fortuitous, uh, the timing of our recording this week. Because uh, usually when we record these, I'm a little bit nervous, like, oh, no, what if there isn't enough news? <laughs> what if there's not enough stories to talk about? And that's how I was feeling this week. Like, it was kind of a, a light week for the gaming news, you know, no, no big stories. And then the morning we record this, it seems like every gaming outlet under the sun has a different leak about uh, Microsoft's plans for E3 this year. Specifically, uh, their plans for new models of the Xbox One console. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Xbox Slim, which is apparently more powerful than the Xbox One. Yeah, it's honestly it is it is intimidating, sort of how much stuff sort of burst online this morning. Because I think uh, someone, uh, uh, I don't know the name, but there is a podcast that has a bit of a history with leaks like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they initially leaked the Xbox Elite controller, which you know since has been released. It's a hundred and fifty dollar controller if you are insane and have too much money f- for your own good. And they leaked a handful of uh, different console SKUs that seems like Microsoft is planning to release and announce over the next year or so. And it's a sort of large collection. Uh, As they mentioned, an Xbox Slim, which they say will be coming out this year and will be 40% smaller than the current Xbox One. And I think that's definitely necessary. I own an Xbox One. It's the size of an old VCR. (laughs) It is... Now, that is a console you could kill a man with very easily. Like, it's a heavy brick. I don't like moving it around. I probably would not buy an Xbox One Slim. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. throw another uh, $300. I didn't even buy an Xbox One. but <laughs> yeah, Maybe now's the right time to jump in, man. It's so much smaller. You'll have so much space. That's definitely worth $300. Hey, I, already, I already lug around a gaming desktop, so. Yeah. Well, then you can just, like... Just, like, open up your gaming desktop, insert an Xbox One Slim. (laughs) There's probably enough room in there. And speaking of combining the Xbox and the PC, that's another element of their uh, new brand strategy. They're going to sort of continue synergizing Windows 10 and Xbox as they've... It seems like they've been talking about that for two years, but that hasn't really manifested. And uh, according to this leak, uh, within the year, they will have Windows 10 running on Xbox One machines just the actual desktop <laughs> interface. If you want to run Excel on your TV, you now have a portal to do it, I guess. Well, it's about damn it's a, I time. know. But uh, that's kind of interesting. From what I've heard, uh, it, they're less focusing on Xbox or uh, uh, Windows 10 with it. They're more focusing on what they're going to do with Windows 12 because what they've announced is they're really going to try to uh, amp up their like gaming accessibility with Xbox or uh, Windows 12. Um, probably kind of to the counter to the new Steam OS, which, mm. I don't know, Steam OS, uh, it's all right. It doesn't really offer many benefits. I honestly prefer to run Windows. But. Yeah, so Steam OS, that's uh, from Valve, who you know runs Steam, sort of the largest PC gaming interface. And I think it was two years ago, I want to say, they launched Steam OS, which is sort of not really, I would say, their Windows alternative. It's another operating system. So, again, you'd run it instead of Windows or Mac on usually a custom-built box. Yeah, it and runs on Linux. It, it's based so. on Linux, yeah. And it's it was always an interesting project, but not having Windows integration means a lot of stuff doesn't have compatibility. There's a bit of a limited library. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft 
uh, when they were looking into the future, which a lot of these plans go even further out than 2016, they seem to be signaling, okay, how do we merge the PC and console gaming markets? Because right now they're kind of, you know, they're doing the same thing in two different camps. And I can imagine that's, you know, they're a, they're a big business. They It's all about streamline. It's all about yeah. hashtag synergy. Got to get everything working together. So according to this leak, that will involve putting more or less all mainstream Xbox games on PCs running through an Xbox front end, I guess. <laughs> you know, this is the trouble with leaks is it's not a clean read of what they're saying, just sort of scuttlebutt from around the industry. Oh, yeah. But again, coming from reliable sources, so... There's merit to discussing it, at least. And so what they are saying is some sort of Xbox front end. So you'll sort of be running that uh, Xbox dashboard, I guess, through your PC and using that to run games like Halo, Gears of War, stuff that uh, typically hasn't appeared on the PC in the past. Which uh, you can do something along the lines of that. You can kind of stream from your Xbox onto yeah. your uh, PC. The, From my experience, the integration isn't very, uh, uh, what's the word? doesn't work very well, it, is yeah. the gist of it. I think the word is it's not very good. I've used that a handful of times, and again, it's running through you know your internet connection. It's not native, so there's a oh, lot yeah. of lag. It's not an ideal way to play any of this. So being able to run that natively, uh, it definitely sounds like a scenario where in a few years you could just buy a new PC, and it's like, okay, hey, I have all the stuff I already like about PC gaming, but then there's also, instead of Steam, you just have the Xbox storefront, and that's where you're running all of this new stuff. Uh, and it seems in connection with that, there is, you know, a another Xbox console that this leak says will hit in 2017, so 2016, maybe revealed at E3, maybe not. And it has one of my favorite code names, like, Video game console code names are always tremendously stupid and ridiculous, like <laughs> the PS4 Neo that people have been talking about. I remember uh, Nintendo, before the GameCube came out, everyone was just calling it Project Dolphin. And I was like, <laughs> Dolphin. that's that's not what video games are called. But this one, I hope they don't change the name because the code name is Xbox Scorpio. <laughs> Scorpio. What was the last one? It was uh, uh, or Django? Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah Xbox <laughs> Xbox Unchained. Was it just Django or like Durango or Durango, something? Durango. Ridiculous. It sounded like a pickup truck. That's <laughs> the point. But I want an Xbox Scorpio. And I also, yeah, I want it to look like something that comes out of a supervillain lair. It's like a lot of beeping lights and like oh, spikes on it for yeah, no reason. Yeah. I can access nuclear launch codes and I have to be wearing a turtleneck and petting a cat while I use my Xbox <laughs> Scorpio to take over the southeastern border of something or other <laughs> and uh for this xbox scorpio these uh leaks are saying uh four times as powerful as the xbox one uh, which is a pretty tremendous uh step up in power yeah that's a pretty bold claim i mean yeah. from from what they're saying there it's basically a new console you know you think they'd have used the opportunity to get rid of the poor branding that is the name of the xbox one yeah, and I wonder, again, how do they brand this? Because the Xbox One, like, I own one and I enjoy it, but uh, ever since the reveal, it's definitely been bagged by a lot of negative press. It's uh, the weakest of the two consoles oh, out yeah. right now. Had all of that negative PR at launch, talking about <laughs> all the I, different I, DRM plans. Just a bungle all around, and this definitely seems like a clean slate for Microsoft. I just want to point something out. Uh, the two consoles, you say? Yeah, well, listen... <laughs> 
gaming has become so weirdly segmented. Like, Nintendo does their own thing. I almost don't consider them a conversation in this. It's like, I own a Wii U. I love it. But, like, I don't expect any game on the Wii U to appear anywhere else. And no game that I can play on an Xbox to be on my Wii U. And it's a convenient miracle if that's the case. But, you know, that kind of sucks. Do you think this might be a response to the whole, uh, the new Nintendo console being announced? Uh, I think it's possible. I think it's more just... I wouldn't say coincidence, but the sort of the cycle of technology that the three major players all seem to be readying hardware for a 2017 launch. Because, again, Sony has the uh, PS4 Neo or PS4K, as some people have been calling it, that seems to be, uh, again, that's only rumored so far, but a lot of smoke, a lot of verified sources. That is looking to be hitting around 2017. Nintendo's NX platform, they recently confirmed, will be hitting spring 2017. And, yeah, these Xbox Scorpio rumors also seem to be pointing at next year instead of this year. So it, it kind of makes me wonder, is this going to be, uh, with the PS4, the Xbox One, and the Wii U, like the shortest console generation we've had in, like, two decades? It very much would be, although it also seems like for Xbox and PlayStation, they're downplaying the idea that this is going to be another console generation. They're very much insisting, like, okay... Uh, we'll keep, Sony is at least saying in some mm. uh, documents that leaked recently on a Giant Bomb, uh, they will keep making traditional PS4 games. Like, that console is not going to be obsolete in any way, but if you do want to upgrade and want things that run at, say, a 4K resolution or are maybe a bit more workable in VR, then you can upgrade, get this more powerful box, and then maybe that transitions to a model where every two or three years you get a slightly more powerful console but it's not a mandatory upgrade like we've seen in the past so what you're saying is uh you have this box mm-hmm. but you can have different hardware exactly. in the box and every year or so you can upgrade the hardware and all your games still work there's no compatibility issues you know it's really a revolutionary thing it's surprising that no one else in the technology field has ever thought of anything like this like this before really outstanding work from these two corporations amazing real real mm-hmm. trendsetters here yeah and and i think that is a fair comparison like when i think about the reasons i tend to play on console over pc there is a sense of security in that mm-hmm. i like being able to say okay i'm gonna buy that box and for the next four or five years any game i want pretty much is gonna work on that no problem because pc like you can build something that's future-proofed but there's always this nagging sense in the back of your head is like oh The Witcher 3 runs on this, but if I just (laughs) got one of those 1070s, I could be be maxing this thing out. There's this constant sense that, like, there's a better thing on the horizon that makes my thing look bad. And that's something that always kind of bugged me about PC gaming. And looking at the idea of a console market where you're buying hardware and upgrades come out but are not, you know, pushed as heavily, I could see that being, you know, maybe not a huge issue, but definitely something of a branding concern because... You know, a lot of people bought PlayStation 4s. I want to say Sony, this is not a verified number. I'm not Googling this right now, but uh, said they sold something like 60 million uh, PlayStation 4 units, or at least are anticipating to by the end of the year. That's 60 million people who are going to see a newer box on the shelf and suddenly have this inferiority complex about the thing they just paid $300, $400 for maybe one, two years ago. And I think that's... That's going to be an interesting change in the market, and does that push more people towards a PC? Because, you know, if they don't have the security, what's the point in sticking with a console to some degree? Yeah, It, it kind of worries me because uh, I think the last time consoles were coming out this quickly was, you know, back during uh, 
the 80s, I believe, you know, right before the big crash. Mm-hmm. But there, there were so many consoles, you couldn't tell one from the other for the most part. And I think, yeah, looking into the old 80s game crash, that always seemed to be a case of everyone hopping on a bandwagon, you know, everyone was making their own console, like Apple had their own uh, console, you know, all these mm. all these companies that would typically make, like, VCRs were like, oh, hey, we can make a gaming machine, we'll just turn this out, I mean not think about long-term support. This still seems to be the same three players all putting out hardware, so I don't think I'd be as concerned about a crash, but I definitely think that there may be a significant tide change in how people look at game consoles, and, you know, maybe the market doesn't react positively, and, you know, everything's on the table. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Definitely wait and see, and that's that's the annoying thing about trying to talk about all these concepts is, it's exclusively based on rumors and the stuff that's coming through the wind. And it's like, it's very likely, but we're not talking about firm details here. We're completely talking about, you know, yeah, rumors that could be totally false <laughs> in a month. One thing you learn when following the game industry, everything is subject to change yeah. at a moment's notice. Everything is yeah, fluid. So I think the other big story that uh, popped this week and is also kind of relevant to the University of Oregon campus the uh, Pac-12, which is the sort of college sports league, contains the University of Oregon, a handful of other uh, big schools on the West Coast. It's, you know, all the teams that the Ducks play. It's all in the Pac-12 conference. They have become the first uh, sort of collegiate brand to really kind of recognize esports or, you know, sort of professional video games, uh, stuff like uh, Counter-Strike Go, uh, Hearthstone, League of Legends, Dota Starcraft? 2. Starcraft? Star, well, if we're like, talking five years ago, maybe Starcraft. Uh, you are behind on the time. I, listen, so. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm sorry that I'm talking smack about Starcraft. Smackcraft. Hey, it is, uh, a cultural phenomenon. In South over Korea. Over on the, uh, yeah, over in East Asia. But. Mm. Yeah, so... What's happening with the Pac-12, they haven't seemed to really announce anything. Like, they haven't said, oh, hey, Pac-12 tournament of, uh, you know, League of Legends, get all your best crew together, we're doing this. Uh, But rather, they have officially acknowledged sort of the potential of esports. Arizona State University recently won uh, the Heroes of the Storm tournament that Blizzard put on. And I noticed it actually gets aired on ESPN2. Like, that's one of the first big uh, sort of MOBA competitions that has gotten that mainstream television coverage to some degree, which is also fantastic because every time esports are on ESPN, you can look on Twitter and it's just a cavalcade of people losing their mind. It's like, oh, God, someone's playing a video game on ESPN. What is my life coming to? Yeah, it was one of the uh, old-time anchors that said something along the lines of, Whenever they try to make me cast video games as a sport, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit of a funny thing there because uh, he has casted video games in the past. Sports video games, I, but video games yeah. nonetheless. I wouldn't be surprised if that same guy, God, I cannot remember his name. I just know he's kind of a dick and does a lot of talk radio shows. <laughs> but like, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point like he was casting like a Madden game or something because, hey, he's a sports commentator. Yeah, but th- that's the thing. Uh, you know, there's there's money in it, and that's mm-hmm. catching the a lot of eyes of the traditional like sports and competitive people. 
Uh, so sort of the all that the Pac-12 really uh, confirmed this week in terms of esports is saying that they uh, are looking to develop the perfect organization to develop the framework for esports intercollegiate competition. So it could be easy to see in the next few years the Pac-12 is setting up something that, again, is a league that uh, is based on schools and has people playing something like League of Legends, uh, Smash Brothers, something like that, which I think is really a smart move uh, for these conferences to get into. Because I am not a huge person in the esports scene. Like, I pay attention uh, casually. Like, I'll watch the occasional match of the international. But it's never something that I tend to get obsessed with because I have a hard time rooting for any one individual. And I think that's that comes down to the fact that most of the big teams that you see in esports, they're sort of privately owned. Uh, stuff like Cloud9, I think TSM is another one. It's just these brands that have become a big and well-known and you know have a presence across all these different sports. But I don't have any personal reason to root for that one team. Yeah. You know, there's very little switching cost. So saying like, hey, what if your college had a League of Legends team? That gives me a bit more skin in the game. That gives me something to watch and be like, hey, I want, you know, I want to root for the Ducks. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm mostly the same way. I think I feel I play a lot of these games for, you know, fairly often. And I feel like my stake in it is I want to see good plays. Like, I want to see that guy's playing StarCraft who splits his mass of 100 Marines into squads of three so they don't all get blown up by tanks at once. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I'm just more <clears throat> excited to see this get more traction and kind of be recognized as, like, an official kind of competition. Not necessarily, like, a sport. Of course, there's a there's a lot of work that athletes go into, but there's a lot of work that these esports people go into. Yeah. And there's high levels of play that not just everyone can pick up and do and, you know, requires a lot of practice. Yeah, I've always kind of found that argument over, you know, should we call people who play esports athletes, uh, you know, the whole argument of whether or not they should be getting recognition on something like ESPN. It's 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 a debate that you can have, but just kind of falls into the same semantic arguments, sort of like when people say like, oh, are video games art? It's the same thing that's kind of repeated ad nauseum. It's just about the definition of a word. So yeah. I could definitely uh, anticipate there are going to be some people who are maybe – bitter about this the second that it starts taking up any amount of like NCAA funding, anything like that. So I definitely think that there's room for this to go sour in the future. But for right now, I think this is the right move for the Pac-12 to be making to at least sort of acknowledge something that is clearly growing, has a lot of uh, a fan base within the college audience. So it makes a lot of sense for, you know, uh, the college scene to start trying to embrace it and cultivate a scene that is, uh, you know, intercollegiate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where it goes. So definitely something to keep tabs on and we'll keep following up with this story uh next week on the next edition of the daily emeralds gaming week in review podcast i've been christopher berg and i'm matt brock and we'll see you again same time next week let's go play some overwatch let's yeah <laughs>